بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد ومن لم يجعل الله له نورا فما له من نور وقال ابن عطاء الله كيف يشرك قلب وصور الأكوان منطبعة في مرآته Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't designate any light for, then they have no source of light. They have no light, they have no source of light. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't <coughs> choose for his light, to give to his special light, then for him there is no light. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has various different forms of light. This whole universe is full of light. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another verse in the Qur'an, Allahu nuru samawati wal ard. Uh, one of the comment, uh, one of the tafsirs explained that as Allahu Munawwirus Samawati Wal Ard. Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth, and thus it means that He is the illuminator of the heavens and the earth. We have light. We deal with light in various different ways. One is we deal with our physical light. If there wasn't light today, then we wouldn't be able to see. So in the daytime, the sun is what provides us with light. In the nighttime, it's the moon that provides us with light. And then we have many forms of artificial lighting as well. All of that is one form of light which is universal to every creature on this earth. It is something that is common to every creature on this earth. And clearly that is that, that can also apply in this case, uh, this, hadith, this uh, verse can also apply generally in that case as well. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want to give the light of this earth to, He will not bring them into existence. So thus they will have no light, they will have no existence in that sense. Existence in a form is a kind of a light in that sense, in the broad meaning of it. However, here what this is speaking about is the light that is needed in the hereafter. As mentioned in Suratul Hadith, Suratul Hadith discusses this in great detail. The the clash or rather the kind of discussion that will take place between the Muslims and the disbelievers and how it says that between between the two a door will be placed, a barrier will be placed and there'll be light for the believers and no light for the hereafter because in the hereafter the light will only be specifically provided for the believers and not for the disbelievers in this world it's for everyone to benefit from whether a person blasphemes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not but in the hereafter it will only be for the believers and that's why they will say the disbelievers naqtabis min nurikum you know let us take some light from you walk with you take some light with you no, 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 you guys go behind and you look for your own light. What's after that? Bisurin. Sur means a barrier, a wall. Between them will be erected a wall. And what's after that? Lahubab. So with a door. So this will be the case in the hereafter. So now how do we attain that light? That light has to be attained through another light that's given in this world, which is the light of Iman. The light of Iman is which will be reflected in the hereafter. So a person with Iman in this world will have some light in the hereafter. But everybody who is a believer with Iman will have different forms of light in the hereafter. So there's an additional light which is given in this world, which is of Taqwa. That's also an additional light. Because essentially, what, does, what is the essential folk, uh, function of light in this world? 
it allows us to see the distinctions between things. If everything was bright with no darkness whatsoever, or if everything was darkness without any brightness, you couldn't see contrast between things. Everything would seem the same. You couldn't make out things. So what light does in its particular ways is that it allows us to see the right from the wrong, truth from falsehood. So in that sense, taqwa is an additional light because it gives a better penetrating insight into uh, and that works with the heart to help us avoid things or obligates us to do certain things. That's why beyond iman then taqwa has to be inculcated which is that additional light that has to be inculcated. And and then beyond that is the light of wilayat. It's, it, it gets out which is for the special. Then there's the light of prophethood which is very very special which is unattainable for the common folk like us. So Based on that idea now, Ibn Atayullah says that how can a heart gain light, how can it be illuminated when the forms of beings, of created beings, are reflected of its mirrors. So the heart is like a mirror. Our heart is influenced by many things around us. Our heart goes out to things. Our heart is emotional. Our heart is very versatile. It's a very complex piece of, uh, a very complex organ that has both a biological aspect to it and a spiritual aspect to it. So we are influenced and affected by various different things. And environment is an extremely powerful, extremely powerful. We, we are products of our environment, generally speaking. Very few people can resist environment. And they will be affected by it some way or the other. So it takes on many reflections depending on what kind of feed it has had. So he says, how can a heart become illuminated when the forms of other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of being, of created beings, of any being whatsoever except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reflected of its heart. What we mean by that is the forms of wealth. There's the pictures of wealth in our heart just look going after wealth as the primary focus of our life. Haram wealth. For men, it's women. Uh, many, generally speaking. Uh, there's many, many other things that take over our heart and become the main focus of our life. So how can it be illuminated by the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if that's the case? See, when you have to plate something, right? when you have to plate something, a watch, a bowl or anything of that nature. In these days we don't really go to get anything plated but in the previous days they would get their pots, home pots, plated once in a while because it would give them a nice shine, Re you could reuse them. In nowadays it's the days of disposable, uh, you know, disposables where something becomes slightly tarnished or whatever, we get rid of it and buy a new one and we create a lot of, um, we, we create a lot of, um, what do you call it, uh, excess in the world that is not being used, but before people use them for decades sometimes. So they would get things plated. <coughs> now to plate anything, it has to be completely and entirely clean. Otherwise the plating, because especially silver plating, gold plating, brass plating, whatever else they do, it's very fine. It's a very fine coat and it won't tolerate even a single you know, speck of something. So it has to be completely clean. 
So that's why one of the examples provided is to plate something, one needs to polish the pot first. So the plating is the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the special attention from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But to get that in our hearts, the heart's going to have to be cleansed first. لِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ سَقَالَةٌ As the hadith mentions. وَسَقَالَةُ الْقُلُوبِ ذِكْرُ اللَّهِ For everything there's a polish. سَقَالَةٌ is the polish. Plating comes after that. So one needs to polish something first to even out the surface. Remove any dirt. Remove any, uh, any unevenness. So that's سَقَالَة and the saqala of the qulub of the hearts is the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So by doing abundant dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we polish our hearts. Then we get the light that comes in there. If you want to simply even pour water or milk into a pot, you're going to look at that glass first, that pot first, and you see any specks in there, you know the reason you're not going to pour the milk in there is because it's going to pollute it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nur is available to everybody. But the reason we don't attract it is because of an unpolished heart. We all want to gain the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, become awliya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without stopping our sins, without working hard. That's the easy way. We think it's the easy way. So we want to benefit from the illumination, but we don't want to work hard enough to do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, مَا جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِرَجُلٍ مِّنْ قَلْبَيْنِ فِي جَوْفِهِ Allah hasn't placed two hearts for anybody. There's one heart. You have to decide who you want to give it to, who you want to make it for. And that's why when people have worked on it, there was uh, one of the the main uh, khulafa and students of Mawlana Shavali Thanwi, who was a poet. His name was Khaja Madzub. He was a poet. He's the one who... You, uh, in the Atikaf used to go around with a board on him saying Khamush Silent Silence Because he was Seems like a very interesting character So people would like to come to speak to him So he had to put the board up to tell people I can't speak to you Right Because he was a very interesting character It's a very good idea So anyway He Upon working on himself Finally he made up a poem He says Har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho gayi Ab to aja which means now every desire from the heart has departed now you can come in because now there's solitude essentially he's underscoring a very important point here which is that the real illumination from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the real light that we want that the additional level of it is not going to come until the heart is polished and that's why at this he said this and Mawlana Shavitani was so satisfied with, with this poem. He was so excited about the poem. He said that if I had a, a hundred thousand rupees at that time, which was a lot of money at that time, today a hundred thousand rupees is a uh, hundred pounds. But in those days it was a lot more you know, for people to... He says I would have given him that gift for making this poem because it was tradition to give poets a gift if they came up with some. Because poem, poems are very effective. They take your heart. It's a very emotional kind of thing. So, we're doing dhikr. At least we're trying to do some dhikr. But then we've got all of these associations in the heart. So until they're not cut, this dhikr isn't going to have the same kind of... Because we're trying to polish... Sorry, we're trying to illuminate our heart, plate our heart with this nice gold sheen. 
from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but we're not polishing our, our heart enough to allow that sheen to stick so it comes on and then it disappears it comes on and it disappears it comes off because if somebody did plate something that was dirty it would just come off because it would be uneven and it would become chipped and then it would just be removed that has to happen first that has to happen another thing is that if we sit by the window and you, in this apartment is a very good example of this because we have so much movement outside there's a lot of dust that's stirred up you can't see much of it you can only see it when it settles you can't really see it coming in unless it's a lot we don't live in the desert we don't live in Africa we don't live in these places where the dust is visible but we have a lot of invisible dust that becomes visible once it settles so every few weeks or a month or something like that there's going to be dust and you're going to have to clean it so now likewise in our heart there is dust that is coming in we don't notice much of this dirt just like in this place we can't notice much of this dirt there's always dust everywhere but we can't notice much of it coming in there are four things from which dust comes onto the heart essentially translating as because eventually dust becomes dirt you have enough of it it becomes dirt it becomes thick especially when you don't clean it enough it's going to become very difficult to remove you're going to have to you need a, a spray or something so there are four things from which the heart gathers dust four inlets to it one is the eyes which is probably the biggest challenge for men especially the eyes is probably one of the biggest challenges because we get a lot of dirt that way huge amounts of dirt is deposit a uh, 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 huge amounts of dirt are deposited on our hearts day in and day out that's why the benefit of sitting in itikaf for 10 days is that you we we are able to abstain from that in fact itikaf is even more powerful than hajj in that regard because in hajj there are people doing strange things because you got men and women in that time so this is one method which is itikaf and a retreat where we protect ourselves for 10 days and that's why we have that much more inshallah acceptance of our duas as well and all of these other additional benefits another one is the ears by listening to the wrong listening to the wrong another one is the tongue by speaking wrong things this also is a method of uh, bringing dust in our heart and number 4 which is another big challenge the thing is the thoughts because clearly the eyes will only have that problem because of thought that will go with it so thought generally goes with the tongue ears and the eyes it's probably the basis of all of these things men generally have a problem as i said with the eyes while women have generally a problem with the thoughts they're very emotional uh, women are more emotional than men so they process a lot of information inside they ruminate over too many things they fuss over too many things inside have a lot of suspicion in that regard <coughs> it's just the nature some women may not have it some men may not have this problem but the majority as a genus as a genus as a category have this problem in general so these four doors or inlets vents have to be closed so that the dirt is caught outside and doesn't settle inside it doesn't come inside and the the main thing is that the the root of all inner diseases of the amradul qulub 
which means the diseases of the heart, which Imam Ghazali speaks about pretty much in every book of his on this subject. The roots of the inner diseases is to have, have the heart attached to something. Once it's attached to something, it's going to gather dust from that. Because there's going to be a residue. You clean the tires, I mean something as simple as the tires of your car. Within a few weeks they'll be black. They'll have blackness settled on it. Because of the, the throwback from the brakes. It's just the way the dunya works in generally everything. You attract dust to yourself, which is outside. You walk, you're going to get dirty. You know, whether that be from internal sweat or from outside. Right. So the heart also gains that kind of dirt. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ala lillahi dinul khalis. Ala lillahi dinul khalis. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is only the pure deen. That's really only what he's going to accept. Which is unpolluted, dirt free. That's what's important. So based on our exposure to our dirt, we should match our dhikr. If we're doing a cleansing, for example, you probably noticed in the masjid down there in Etikaf, that because of such a huge amount of footfall, movement, and everything, they used to clean the masjid once a day, the Muaddin poor guy after Maghrib would sweep it. But by the next day, I felt that they needed to clean it at least twice or thrice a day for it to really maintain its cleanliness. Because there's just too much activity. Our flat is outside the common ways are cleaned once a week. It's okay, it's better than not cleaning it at all. But <coughs> I think it's cleaned on a Monday, right? By Friday or something. It needs to be cleaned at least two times a week for it to maintain some decent level of cleanliness. So the more something is going to be active, the more you're going to need to do. And the strange thing here, you might be saying, well, if I don't do any sins, I don't need to do any dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's one or the other. You have to, we have to match and equate and compensate for the dirt that is coming uh, through um, doing that much dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove that dirt. So our cleanliness regi regime needs to increase. It can't be just cleaned once a week or just five minutes. It needs to be way more than that. And the people with the greatest sickness, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran, I'm talking about spiritual sickness. Is fi qulubihim maradun, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran about the munafiqeen. Fi qulubihim maradun. Their whole approach, their hypocrisy is called a marad, is called a sickness. Maradun is sickness. They have huge sickness in their heart. They have a variety of sickness in their heart. Again, the Arabic term here is maradun, which is nakira. It's not particularized. It's not they have a sick they don't have the sickness. They have sickness. And there's a lot of sicknesses that they have within their heart. So hypocrisy is a sickness of the heart. And anything related to that is gonna be a is gonna be a sickness. Right? So if that's a sickness, then you can imagine how much 
if influence it needs from the dhikr of Allah subhanahu now about the munafiqeen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran mudhabdhabina bayna dhalik la ilaha ulai wa la ilaha ulai and he mentions wala yadhkuruna allaha illa qalila they only remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a small amount they don't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala too much now is that our state today where we remember him but we don't remember him too much do we I mean who how many of us can say we remember him so much we don't remember him much that is supposed to be the characteristic of the munafiqeen who have been defined in the Quran or described in the Quran as having sickness in their heart because Allah says remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says those who remember Allah sitting lying down and standing which means they're abundantly remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we're going to have to increase it that's why it cannot be underscored enough why the Sufi tariqs tell you to do a lot of dhikr. Because they know that that is what's going to help us. And the more issues we have outside, the more dhikr we need to do to, to combat those issues. Compensate for them. And hopefully push them out. That our dhikr needs to become enough that it pushes out all of these other issues. As we mentioned, the more dhikr you do of anything, the more love you have. The more you appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the more dhikr you do, the more you appreciate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more your love grows, the more attachment it becomes. And once that happens, then it becomes easier. So yes, initially there is a major struggle. There's a recognition. The reason why we're all sitting here today is we've all recognized. Because why would somebody come on a Saturday morning, you know, Sunday morning? There's a recognition that we have an issue. And we've pushed ourselves to do this much. We just need to push ourselves to... There's a lot of people who are not going to even think about it. So it's to get beyond that. Because Allah lillahi deenul khalis for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the pure faith. Unadulterated faith. And that's what we, we need. Allah give it to us. So for a person to start forgetting the aghyar, alterities anything but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a person to slowly become disassociated with them for a person to stop becoming uh, to start becoming less attached to them let's put it that way less attached to them that is the sign that the heart is becoming pure it, essentially it's like if you're in a meeting a lot of the time what happens in organizations is that people try to form coalitions secret support groups like, let's get that person in so it'll be an additional vote for us an inner man inner contact so likewise when we have less problems in our heart it will attract less sins the more the dhikr gets the votes <coughs> the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is allowed to settle in the heart with abundant dhikr it will start pushing out the agents for shaitan in different forms, agents for the love of wealth and agents for the love of shahwa and desire and so on and so forth. So slowly, slowly, the, the agents for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will gain ascendancy. Then there's less chance of somebody influencing, other than Allah, the alterities, the aghyar, 
anything besides Allah, there's less chance of those affecting our heart. So, if we overcome one aspect where we're able to deal with it and see it in the right way, then we'll understand that, mashallah, one of the dunyawi agents have been depart has has departed from our heart. And if that departs, then inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa taala, uh, his effect will enter. Once uh, one of the pious um, people, Mirza Mazhar, Jan Jan Rahmatullahi from India, once some really beautiful grapes were brought. But he refused to eat them, saying that I smell corpse, corpses from these grapes. Grapes, intense sweetness. It's one of the very sweet fruits. They use grape juice to sweeten many things. I smell corpse, corpses from these. Now, others were eating as well. They couldn't smell any corpses from them. They couldn't feel anything of that nature. But he could for some reason. So, somebody curious enough went and inquired. And he found out that a person who had supplied them, he had brought it from a particular seller in the market or somewhere. Went to the market, to that particular seller. After making some inquiries, he found out that... This supplier of the dates, he grows them illegally in a graveyard. You know, because graveyards are generally not protected in many countries. Here, it, they are walled and everything. Price, uh, you know, it's very expensive land here. But in many places, the graveyard is just like this large piece of land on the side. No, people may go there once in a while or something like this, right? So the people use it. For these things, it's a public graveyard, and using that land. So that's what a person gets that kind of insight. They Allah Subhanahu wa Taala then helps them to avoid it. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, uh, the Prophet said, "May yastafif yu'ifuhullah." May yastafif yu'ifuhullah. Istafafa means the one who tries to remain afif, chaste. The one who tries to, in Arabic, whenever you see the, the verb ista from sinta in it, it means to desire something. So whoever tries to remain chaste, Allah will give him chastity. So somebody who tries to gain taqwa and by showing, you know, what is that? We, we all hope that we just get this kind of promotion and just start, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just starts opening up these things for us. No, we have to want it a lot and you have to prove that. And there's a certain threshold you have to get to for that, which is a lot of effort. But once that happens, then these kind of things are possible where you just don't feel right about... It, you'll, it'll, it'll just be about not feeling right about something, which is exactly what's happening here. I can't eat these grapes. So there's two ways to accomplish this. Two ways to accomplish this, which is suluk. This is essentially suluk, what we're all on. One is kathratul dhikr. Abundant dhikr and number two is ittiba'u sunnah. To fulfill the adab of the sunnah in our general behavior, our life, and so on. And number two is just to do dhikr, which is the internal fortitude. Ittiba'u sunnah is the external aspect and our behavior and our interaction. And internally, we need to do the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The benefit of being in pious company and in being with a shaykh is the fact that there is what we call. Um, 
a negating attention, a negating effect. Salbi tawajju, tawajju salbi, right? So, for example, in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, person comes to him and says that I can't help doing zina. Like, help me out. Zina is going to a sheikh and saying, look, um, he's revealing his sin. That's why the ulama have mentioned that it's permitted. In fact, in many cases, it's obligatory to mention your sins that you're involved in to the sheikh. You're only going to take a sheikh if you trust him, obviously. You're going to trust every person. You don't tell it to anybody else because it's haram to reveal sins. Just as it's haram to reveal the parts of the body that is haram to reveal to just anybody, likewise, in a need, it's allowed to reveal it to a doctor to see what the problem is. So likewise, to reveal these things to the shaykh is important so that there can be a proper regimen. It needs to be clearly done, you know, without overly graphic, you know, without overly... It needs to be done very clearly. Then there's a possibility that it's, you know, they can do something accordingly. So he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he revealed this sin to the Prophet ﷺ, tried to explain to him first, psychologically tried to motivate him and to explain to him, would you like that to happen to your sister, your mother, etc., etc. Finally, the Prophet ﷺ placed his hand on his heart and he said, Allahumma khthirla dhambahu wa ahsin farjahu. Oh Allah, forgive his sins and beautify, <coughs> make a re- reform, reform his private parts. And since that day, he says, it all stopped. It was a very powerful experience. It all stopped. The Prophet ﷺ just by doing this, just managed to extract this desire, this longing, this addiction from his heart. That's why Mujaddid al-Fithani, Sheikh Ahmad Sarhindi says that um, the for for the heart to be qalb munawwar hone ki do shart for the heart to be illuminated there are two conditions one is salik ki mehnat the efforts of the salik that has to happen the efforts of the salik so without that it's not going to happen just like that mona shaitan has dealt with the issue of somebody who goes into a shaykh and gets so influenced that he changes his life he could change his life, but if he goes back to what he's doing, he's going to lose all that effect. Because that's just like this boost that's only going to last. But it's effective in the sense that it, if it inspires you to work then hard, then you can maintain that level. But on its own, it's not going to help. Nobody can have personal effort has to be there. So he says, Saliki mehnat. And number two, he says, or Allah ka fadl. The grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. One sheikh said that he found the answer in buka and tafakkur, in crying excessively and in just reflecting. We don't do either of those enough, except in situations like etikaf or whatever. We just don't do that enough on our own. So he says that, Jab insan se mani Now this is a very male kind of thing. But when a person ejaculates semen, then they become baligh. Of the in terms of deen, they become baligh, right? In terms of the world, the deen, responsibility, and so on. But money say insan nikal jata hai. When a person is able to extract himself from anything related to that fluid, then he becomes baligh tariqat. Then he becomes accomplished in his tariqat. Because that's generally one of the most powerful forms of desires that a man has, that a person has.
So we're going to have to work hard on our heart. So not only do we stop sins, but doing abundant dhikr will help us to stop sins and to also stop thinking about them. That's the most important thing. That if a person can gain a pure sound thought process, which is the qalbun salim, then that's what we're trying to do. So if we're avoiding certain sins but we're still thinking about them, then we need to work much harder. And remember, this is going to be a lifelong battle. So you can't placate yourself and you can't satisfy yourself or push yourself, encourage yourself by saying, okay, you know, uh, I need to stop this, I need to stop this and keep them as milestones. But one must realize that a person could still relapse and a person should realize that this is going to be an ongoing until death effort. But it's worth it because inshallah in the hereafter then we reap the benefits of our efforts as well. And not just of the accomplishment. Gain accomplishment, alhamdulillah. But at least the effort will still be rewarded. And that's the beauty of Islam, that our efforts are also rewarded. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salamu anka salam tabarakta jalali wal ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum birahmatika nastaghith. اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم Oh Allah, we, we are your needy servants. Oh Allah, you are our Lord. Oh Allah, we need of you at all moments, at all times. Oh Allah, for everything. Oh Allah, we thank you for we thank you. We're grateful to you for bringing us into this world and for making us believers. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us your light. Oh Allah, we grant, we ask that you grant us of your special light. Oh Allah, grant us of your special light. Oh Allah, Allah, help us and assist us in doing the right things in this world. Oh Allah, protect us from the sins. Oh Allah, we ask that you forgive our sins. Oh Allah, forgive our sins that we've done in broad daylight, in the darknesses of night. Oh Allah, in privacy. O oh Allah, in public, O oh Allah, those that we've done at all times or any times, O oh Allah, those we've forgotten, those we remember. O oh Allah, there are many sins in our life that we've been doing for so long, for so long that they've become second nature to us. O oh Allah, no longer do we think that they're even wrong. And O oh Allah, we don't even realize that they're wrong. O oh Allah, they've become second nature to us. O oh Allah, forgive us. O oh Allah, forgive us and extract these things from our life. O oh Allah, grant us the tawfiq to do abundant remembrance, abundant remembrance. O oh Allah, help us, assist us. O oh Allah, you've granted us the tawfiq to at least acknowledge that we have a problem. O oh Allah, and to take some steps. O oh Allah, allow us to take the further steps. O oh Allah, we believe that you've only allowed us to sit here today in this day. O oh Allah, because you have something good in store for us. You have some good ideas for us. O oh Allah, let this be the case and let this not be a delusion. O oh Allah, let this not be enough to just satisfy ourselves with, but to work harder. O oh Allah, we ask that you shower us with your mercy. O oh Allah, we're in need of your mercy. Shower us with your mercy. Treat us with compassion. Treat us with mercy. O oh Allah, grant us barakah in everything that you've given us. O oh Allah, suffice us with the halal away from the haram. O oh Allah, give us independence from anybody but you. O oh Allah, grant us full dependence on you. O oh Allah, allow us to acknowledge our full dependence on you. O oh Allah, we are your fuqara. You've mentioned that in the Quran, that antum al-fuqara, that you are the fuqara. And you, you also say that, وَنَحْنُ الْأَغْنِيَاءِ, that you are the enriched one. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us tawfiq. 
Oh Allah, you allow <coughs> the barakat of Ramadan, you allow the blessings of Ramadan and the small amount of deeds we did in Ramadan. Oh Allah, we allow, you allow us to continue to prolong that and to endure with us and to stay with us. Oh Allah, the shayateen are back. Oh Allah, the shayateen are back. Oh Allah, in this world we've seen that when a child becomes tired of walking and can no longer walk and becomes tired, then he calls out to his father, he calls out to its mother, pick me up, pick me up, and the child is picked up and carried. Oh Allah, we have become tired fighting with the shaitan. Oh Allah, we become tired fighting with our nafs. Oh Allah, pick us up and help us. Oh Allah, assist us. You have more mercy than any father in this world. You have more mercy than any mother in this world. Oh Allah, we ask that you pick us up and you support us, you help us, you assist us. Oh Allah, give us the good, whether we ask for it, oh Allah, all the good that we've asked for, oh Allah, grant it to us. And all the good that we couldn't ask for and should have asked you for, oh Allah, we ask that you grant that to us. Oh Allah, bless our majalis, bless everybody here, bless their families. Oh Allah, make our surroundings conducive for us, both at home and at our work and in the society around us. Oh Allah, make us a good influence for those around us. Oh Allah, allow us to only take the good influence from those around us. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you help us to remember you abundantly. Because it's a tawfiq for us to remember you. you. Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us divine enablement to remember you. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to remember you abundantly and to weed out our sins and to avoid our sins. We ask you for help, for assistance, for protection, for resilience. Oh Allah, have mercy on the Muslim world. Mercy on the Muslim world. Oh Allah, have mercy on the Muslim world. Oh Allah, bless us and all the mashaykh before us. With the khatam that we have read, oh Allah, we ask that you send the rewards of that to all the mashaykh before us. You bless our parents, our families, our friends, our teachers, our students, and all those who have, who have, who are our benefactors, who've asked us to make du'a, who expect us to make du'a, who who have a right over us. Oh Allah, bless all of them. Oh Allah, bless us all and accept us for the service of your deen. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين